You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 69. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Hey guys, today's episode has some adult content in it. There's not really swearing, but we will be talking about the subject of sex. So if you generally listen to the show with children around, and this is something that you would not want them to hear, I highly suggest skipping this episode and going to one of the other episodes in the archives on iTunes, Stitcher, or at thelivelyshow.com. This episode is actually one of the season two episodes I am most excited to share. It's not the most shiniest topic. It's actually one of the topics I believe is most underrepresented online unless you're looking at very specific websites and forums specifically for this topic. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about sex. We haven't actually broached that subject yet on The Lively Show, but this conversation in particular, I think really hopefully can be healing for those who may also be struggling as well to feel somewhat less alone in this journey. Jessie Coulter is a mother, a wife, a person with a full-time job and a blog and a business. She's definitely representative of a lot of those listening to this show. She has her hand in a lot of different things, including jessiecoulter.net, her blog, and Builtwell, her custom furniture company she and her husband, Alex, have started together. I'd also like to say that Jessie Coulter is not an expert in struggles with painful sex. She is not here with all of the answers for everyone struggling with these issues. She is simply here sharing her heart and her story with those who may be benefited by hearing her experiences. In this episode, we're going to discuss the circumstances that Jessie believes may have caused the symptoms and pain she now experiences during sex. We're going to talk about the diagnoses that Jessie has had. Some of them she felt were accurate and others that she did not find accurate in the long run. And we're going to talk about how she and her husband navigate the issues surrounding the pain that Jessie experiences during sex as a couple. And she's going to share her thoughts on her own personal relationship with sex, given the difficulty she's faced over the years. I sincerely hope that those who are listening, listen with an open mind and an open heart. And if you are struggling with similar issues, I hope that this connects with you. If you happen to know someone who may be benefited by this episode, I sincerely hope you share it with them. Let's go to the show. Jesse, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I have been having a lot of interviews lately, and yours has been one of the ones I'm most excited for. So let's get started with your background. How did you get to where you are? So currently, I live in Austin, Texas with my husband. We have a two-year-old son. I'm in marketing. I'm a marketing coordinator for a big insurance company here. And I'm very creative. I like to blog on the side. So I have my own personal blog, which is Jesse Coulter, my name. And then I'm also a contributor for a mom's blog here in Austin as well. We love Austin. It's a great place to be. And yeah. And how did we meet? It's a pretty fun story. <laughs> my husband and I had built a farmhouse style table, didn't really fit our backyard And so we decided to sell it on Craigslist and you uh, actually responded (laughs) to the Craigslist ad. And I immediately recognized your name because I had read your blog and listened to your podcast. And so I emailed you back and you happened to just move to Austin and we're looking for a table. So you came over (laughs) to your house and and that was uh, really funny because I was excited to sell it to you. (laughs) 
And then the cool thing is Alex ended up making us the benches for the table too. So people have seen that probably on Instagram. If you go to Jesse Lively on Instagram, you'll be able to see the table and the benches that Alex made. You know, we were talking about starting a side business and you encourage us to start one. And so actually a couple of days later, we're like, you know, we should do this. <laughs> Alex actually came up with the name Built Well. And we've started making more farmhouse style tables, just really anything, um, custom shelving, beds, you name it. My husband's a, the crafter and I do the detail finishing work, all the painting and the long part. <laughs> Talk to me about why you are here and how we got to this conversation. Well, we celebrated your 30th birthday, correct? Yes, at the Josephine house. And so we had a little surprise party for you. Your husband is awesome and threw it for you in Austin. And we were just talking about women's issues and just being real and honest. And I think I was talking about my whole wrinkle situation at 30. <laughs> yeah, your wrinkle, getting the Botox. I was all for the Botox. <laughs> but also, if you didn't want to, that's cool, too. Basically, for those who don't know, I just was really unhappy about how I was looking at 30 and I was considering it. I did not end up going that route. And I will say I have found something, I'll link in the show notes that has been really, really amazing that has really improved it, Botox free. So anyways, I'll just put a little link in there. But yeah, I was talking about that at the dinner. Yeah. And I kind of told you a little bit about some personal issues I had and you were really excited like, oh, that's something women should hear. I hadn't ever thought about doing something like this. And honestly, just kind of thought, mm, that's a little too personal. I don't know if I can do that and went a couple of months. And, but now I'm here. <laughs> yeah, now here you are. So, all right. It's kind of an interesting topic to broach, but yes, this is surrounding sex, right? Yes. Um, painful sex. And, you know, I can give you a little background into how it all started. And that's the hard part about this. So I suffer from painful sex. And I started about six years ago. And it wasn't just with sex. It was just every day. I was having chronic yeast infections. So um, TMI, but I'm going to just get real honest here. This is just all TMI. So this is a TMI show. <laughs> so I, you know, I played volleyball in high school. I wore spandex and thongs every single game, practice, tournaments. So I kind of started having them in high school and then on into college and started just having them chronically. I mean, once a month. And if you've ever had one, you know how painful those, those are. And I believe that led to the issues that I have today. There's not a lot of studies that have been done on this. It's a new subject, I feel like. It's just really coming out into the light now because more women are coming out of the woodwork. But I went to a doctor and she had no idea what to do. I mean, she didn't really give me any advice. And so went through multiple gynecologists that just weren't familiar with what I was experiencing when I was telling them my symptoms. At the time, is it just the yeast infections? No, at this time, it was intercourse. And so I was frustrated. I didn't know, you know, what was going on. My husband didn't know what was going on. So at the time, did they connect the yeast infections to the painful sex or is that two disparate things in your mind at that point? No, it was two different things in my mind. Okay. So you're just thinking there's something wrong with me because sex isn't good, but you're not connecting to the fact mm -hmm. that every month you're having a yeast infection. Sure. Sure. It's usually I'm having sex now and I'm getting a yeast infection afterwards and I'm taking care of my body. Like I have good hygiene. You know, I'm taking steps like I at this point cannot wear a thong ever again. 
I'm very strict on what I can wear and what I can't. When I go to the gym or I go swimming, I immediately can take off wet clothes and put on a pair of grandma cotton underwear. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm really trying to take care of my body at that point, but it just wasn't helping. So one gynecologist referred me to a women's physical therapist, and that was the game changer at that point. A physical therapist? I never would have connected that. Yeah, I never had even heard of one. So went to a physical therapist, and she works on men as well that have colon cancer and different urinary problems, but mainly women. And she diagnosed me with a mild case of vulvodynia, which is basically pelvic pain on the skin. You know, it can be burning, stinging, those feelings. And some women can have it so severe that they can't even like wear pants or walk around during the day or sit down. So severe that it's almost unbearable. Now, mine was very, very mild to that. And so I started physical therapy. And basically, it's a very intimate session. If you think going to the gynecologist, having a baby is intimate. Uh, This is an hour-long intimate session with the therapist. And, you know, you kind of just have to talk about your day because basically her job is to relax the muscles on your pelvic floor. Now, fast forward to three years later, I move to Austin and I see another women's therapist and she says, I don't think you have vulvodynia. I think you have vaginismus, which you're like, these B words, (laughs) these are big words. Vaginismus is different because it's basically the tightening of your pelvic floor muscles inside and it's an involuntary tightness. She was just listening to like my symptoms and the therapy I was going through and how it was not necessarily working and so forth. And she said, I I think you have this. And that was spot on because basically the muscles, they contract on the pelvic floor when you have intercourse. But during the day, I mean, when I'm walking or playing sports, I'm fine. I have no issues. There's no pain. It is just during sex. So again, started with the therapy. You could go weekly. I was going twice a month. And then they prescribe you something that's called dilators. These are basically (laughs) hard to describe. They're big plastic kind of like male parts, and they, they range in size. So they come in extra small to extra large. And the goal of those is to stretch the muscles because vaginismus can get so severe that the muscles can actually completely close to the point where you can't have sex, that the muscles tighten so much that it's just off limits. Nothing can get in there. <laughs> can you even have a period at that point? I'm not sure. I haven't gotten to that point. So thankfully, uh, you know, I'm not there. So, yeah, when you're not doing physical therapy, you can do this. So you can, at a certain point, not go to the physical therapist anymore and just use the dilators at home and learn to stretch your pelvic floor muscles on your own. Is it painful? It's uncomfortable. It's just kind of awkward because, you know, when my husband's around or you're busy in life, the last thing you want to do is go, like, lube up some dilator. And like, you know, where you're like watching TV, you know, when are you going to find the time to just kind of sit down and do this because you have to clean off and it it just takes a lot, I feel like. And it's, yeah, it's painful. It's uncomfortable. And sometimes it has led to me getting a yeast infection because I don't know what it is in my body, but it doesn't like things in there. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I can honestly say I do not do that at this point. So you've stopped the therapy. I've stopped the dilators. I've stopped going to therapy. It was a lot of time during my days with work and a kid. It was expensive. 
And I kind of just got to the point where I was learning how to deal with it on my own. Now, should I go to physical therapy? Would it be beneficial and help me? Yes. I kind of came to the conclusion that I feel like I just need to do the dilators and and I need to have the discipline, just like going to the gym. I just need to do it. But I've kind of found other ways to deal with it. And it's kind of just one of those things that in the back of your head that you really don't want to do. (laughs) Why do you not want to do it? I don't know. It's like you absolutely hate the gym so much. Once it's over, it's not bad, but getting to that point to get there is the hardest part. And I think that's what it is for me. I just hate the process. I hate doing it. And because it caused the yeast infection the last time I did it, it was kind of traumatizing. It was kind of like, oh, I was doing this to help my body. And because of it, it made me react very negatively. And now I have to deal with this for the next week or two. And I was just worried that was going to happen again. But I can kind of tell you how I deal with it now. (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to hear. What are you doing now for it? Uh, It's called alcohol. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I mean, we're talking drinks, like wine. Yeah, so uh, (laughs) I could just say my husband is super supportive. He has been with me through this whole process. And there are definitely times when it's frustrating for him you know, obviously, but I have learned that actually having some drinks and my doctors told me this, you know, at this point, also, it's a mental thing, too. That's what I was wondering. Is it psychosomatic? Like your body is triggered almost. Exactly. You know, you get your hand slammed in the door so many times, you're not going to put your hand near the door. You know, when I hear the word sex or my husband mentions it, I just kind of immediately tighten up. And that's what my body's doing. And my doctor said, you know, you need to relax. You need your muscles to relax. You need to not get so worked up about it. Have a drink. Have a glass of wine. Now, I don't drink wine and I don't drink beer. So drinking liquor on a weeknight is not really something I want to (laughs) do. So really, it's kind of like if it's, you know, we schedule a date night for the weekend or we go on vacation or go out. Usually during the week, it's like I'm not going to have a drink just because the drinks I have are pretty hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) Now I can take a tequila shot on a Wednesday. So yeah, I basically have learned that it really is a lot in my head. It didn't start there. It's just become this chronic problem that is now the mental part is creating more problems than the physical. Yeah, exactly. And I've been reading a lot about that. There's a lot of therapy that works on just with your mental state of learning how to relax your body in that moment, learning how to control your mind so that your body doesn't, you know, tense up more. So I'm working on that part of it. I found that helpful when I can relax and I can not think of it as this just, ooh, this scary thing. I can loosen up. Therefore, my body will loosen up and makes it ultimately a better experience. So what about having a child? I mean, you obviously already had sex and got pregnant and then birthed the child. Was that more difficult because of these issues too? You know, I thought it would be, and surprisingly it wasn't. I had no issues, not one. Not even giving birth with the yeast infections? Not giving birth, nothing, no. Probably because of the pain from the contractions was overwhelming. Of the, <laughs> I had a natural birth, why, I don't know. I just thought, well, I can do that. It wasn't really a big deal. Like I didn't like hospitals or I didn't want epidural. I just thought I had had a friend who had done it and said it was an amazing experience. So I thought, well, shoot, I'll do that. So yeah, I was really nervous. But 
I was in a lot of pain, but that was just contractions and had him and didn't have any pain afterwards. If anything, it might have loosened my muscles. There was an issue with, you know, I did terror and they had to sew me back up. And when they did, this happens with a lot of women is that, you know, it creates a scar and then the scar tissue can build. That scar tissue can then create painful sex. And I know a lot of women that I've talked to that have had issues with um, sex after marriage and painful sex has been from that issue, from the scar tissue. What I found interesting was that my physical therapist told me that in France, after a woman has a child, it is actually part of their postnatal care, like kind of the law, you know, you do the one week checkup, they do this for women, but they actually do pelvic floor physical therapy as their postpartum rehab. I mean, they have to do that. When your muscles and your tissue is stretched and all these things happen during childbirth and just the whole nine months, your muscles can lose a lot of things to them. That physical therapy helps your bowels and your urinary so that if, you know, you accidentally go to the bathroom real easily, it helps with that. So I just thought that was interesting. In France, it's so important for women to see a physical therapist for their pelvic floor muscles. Where here, it's like, what? What does a women's therapist do? No one has any idea. And, you know, so many women are like, man, I had sex the first year after I had a baby and it hurt so bad. But then it got better. But could you have gotten help that first year if you had said something? Yeah. So is it helping with the scar tissue as well, that therapy you're mentioning? Yeah, it can. I mean, it can stretch the skin ultimately. But my doctor told me that they can work on that. Basically, wait till I'm done having kids and then they'll have to re- stitch it kind of try to like take the scar tissue away so there might be some plastics type of surgery going on to help maybe relieve some of that scar tissue and that pain but that's women that don't have vaginismus which is what I have that's just a common thing that most women have now I have double that add that pain plus the muscles so what is the difference can you give us for those that are listening are going, I don't know which V word I have, <laughs> if I have one of them, what's a telltale sign for each so that people might be able to have a clearer idea in their own mind of what they may be dealing with? Honestly, I really can't say because their symptoms are very similar. I can just say that with vaginismus, which is what I have, it's the muscles contracting. There's no other symptoms for me outside of sex. There's no pain when I'm wearing jeans or when I'm sitting. It's just during intercourse. Vulvodynia is definitely something where it's on the skin and can be on the labia or the clitoris, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be with sex. It can just be any normal day and just having pain there. So there are a lot of other V words that I'm not even mentioning. (laughs) And I think it's just like a test. You just have to, to maybe see a physical therapist and kind of work through your symptoms and then maybe treat. They use dilators for both. So they did use dilators with vulvodynia as they do with vaginismus. So even if they misdiagnose you, you can still treat it with the same kind of therapy. For me, it's just, I want to know what's wrong with me. That was a frustrating part. And who knows if that's still exactly what I have. I mean, they're just making an educated guess because it's still such a new topic, I feel like, that doctors are discussing and therapists are discussing They're learning more and more about it every day. So I'm hoping that in the next couple of years that we'll have a lot more resources to kind of help us. And your suspicion is that this really started with the uniforms. Oh, yeah, I really do. Because I've been reading a lot about it. And some women have it from traumatic experiences. So it is fully mental, but has, you know, made it worse. 
and I have read about chronic yeast infections. Now, I have thankfully been able to get the yeast infections under control. Thank goodness someone introduced me to probiotics. And so, you know, just watching what I eat and then taking the probiotics with just that good enzymes and bacteria. I haven't had one in years. So I'm sure there's people out there that may be having these yeast infections and they're like, what are you eating? Could you give us any tips? I mean, it's all about, and I love bread and I love sugar and I love dairy, which is the main thing that basically produces yeast in your body. So it's hard for me to limit those. But if I could say one thing, it would be the probiotics have been um, a game changer. You know, I take one every day with my meal and it just has that good bacteria that fights that yeast. That, that's been the lifesaver. I would definitely advise to take probiotics if you're suffering from that. Is this the yogurt or these pills? It sounds like you're taking pills, but is there a specific one that you really love or not? No, just H-E-B brand. <laughs> the grocery store brand. <laughs> but yogurt, yes. I mean, I hate yogurt. And that's so sad because yogurt is like one of the best things you can do if you have that issue. And so if you're a yogurt fan, keep eating yogurt. Let's talk about how this has impacted your relationship, because I can only imagine with sex being painful, there's got to be issues that come up with the marriage. How do you guys navigate this issue together? It usually gets to like a tipping point. We usually kind of coast for a while, you know, and we don't really talk about it a ton and we try to have sex occasionally and then it might be a while and and then my husband just like gets really angry and he's like, ah, you know, and he's <laughs> just like why aren't we having more sex? And then I have to rehash out like, well, these are my problems. These are my issues. And he's like, I know, but you know, it, it's hard. And so there are times when it, I tell myself I could be doing more. You know, there, there have definitely been some tears shed over that of, can you do more to help this problem? So I try to be aware of that. And there are other things that I can do as a wife. <laughs> There's just a lot of other fun things to do. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know what normal people do. You know, some do it more than others. But yeah, you know, there are other things I can do that are helpful. And I try to do those, you know, often for him because I know that it's not painful for me and it helps him. And so that's what I do. And without that, I don't know if we would have a marriage, honestly. Really? Yeah, really. I mean, who knows? I don't really know how my husband would react if he could never have sexual experiences, a release, you per se, you know, because I know people that, that can't do anything and I'm sure we would work through it. But I can say that thankfully I don't have to deal with that and there are other things I can do to keep our marriage alive and satisfy him because it's something that he needs and that's the hardest part for me is that Sometimes, you know, especially with today, it's the internet and men and you worry, is my husband looking at porn? Am I not enough? We're not a couple that's really okay with doing that. So that's something that can bring in some insecurity for me of if I'm not giving him something that's so important to him, is he going to look somewhere else for it? It's on my mind all the time. You know, I lay my head down at night. There's definitely times when I'm thinking, I wish that I could just on a whim just have sex, <laughs> just have that fun, like the movies, you know, and you watch the movies like, oh, man, they're just so passionate. They're just like in the middle of the day, what? <laughs> tearing each other's faces off. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about how about your relationship with sex? You're talking about his needs, but how do you feel your needs are given everything you've gone through? 
do you even look forward to it? Even I don't look forward to it because <laughs> if I look forward to it, I would do it more often. No, I don't look forward to it. You know, my husband says, you could just not have sex your entire life and be okay with it. And I'm like, well, you. there's definitely times when I'm watching a show or, you know, watching something and, and they're having sex. I'm like, oh, man, that looks awesome. I want to do that. You know, it, it takes a while for me to actually like crave that. But it does happen. For me, it's just like a lot of women, the intimacy comes a lot from just talking with my husband and spending time with him and cuddling with him and holding his hands and hugging and kissing. There are just so many other things that bring me that sexual intimacy and that feeling that isn't sex. It's a lot easier for me to not want sex than than him. Do you ever feel like you want to want it more? Yeah, just like going to my physical therapy, if it was more of a desire, then I would be more active with, you know, doing my exercises and using my dilators. But when it's not something that I necessarily want to do, I don't really have that desire. Yeah. Have you guys talked about having more kids? We have. Yeah, we would like to have one within the next year or so. And my husband, when we first started trying with my son, I had this goal of like, I want to have a child. I had more desire to do my exercises and to have sex. I was like, okay, let's do it. You know, rather than sometimes he would ask and I'd be like, no, no, you know, put it off. Whereas with that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a baby. This is just something you need to do. But it only took us like two months before I was pregnant. And he was like, dang it. You had so much desire to have sex. It was awesome. <laughs> and, you know, he's like, I would hope that this would take like a year. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was a little disappointed. But to say that he gets excited when I talk about us trying to have a kid, he's like, oh, okay, I know what that means. You're going to actively want to have sex with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be hard. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard, but it's just something that I've learned to deal with and... Thankfully, my best friend is my husband and he gets it. And thankfully, there are other things that we can do to please each other. So that's that's a plus. What have you learned about yourself in this whole experience from a personal growth standpoint? I mean, I feel I could do better. <laughs> you know, I, I try not to get down about myself as a woman because I think that many women and myself included lose self-confidence within your marriage, within yourself, because you have this issue and it can weigh heavily on you. And I've just learned that everyone has stuff. Everyone has problems. This is just mine. It might be bigger than some people's problems. It, it might be smaller. This affects a huge part of my marriage and my life, but you just got to get through it and really find ways to work on it. I, I feel like I'm usually a confident person in general, just in life, but this aspect is something that it's hard. I don't talk about it a ton with people. What you were saying earlier, and you started answering the question, I, I loved your answer. And one of the things I think that kind of popped out to me was you have probably faced this idea in society that our sexuality is highly correlated to our femininity as women and our desirability. And you've learned that it's not the only thing that you need to get that from. Yeah. And, you know, this woman told me once how we as women, you know, we see these like romantic Fifty Shades of Grey and we, we see these movies and we see, read these novels and 
They're just having passionate lovemaking. And this woman that also struggled with what I have, and she actually hadn't had sex. And I mean, it'd been a long time, years. And she said, you know, F the stereotype. My husband and I have a great relationship. We love each other and we don't have sex. There's this hype in the world around us of what sex needs to look like and how passionate it needs to be. And when it's not there, you feel like your marriage sucks. And I try to take that mindset that may not be hot and steamy, but it's us. And if we're happy and my husband's happy and I'm happy and we have a good relationship, well, that's all that matters. And if it means not having sex for a couple of months or doing other things or not having sex at all for some people, then that's how it's going to be. Even for people that don't have painful sex, it may not be hot and steamy. Yeah, I've talked to many women too that don't have any problems and they're like, well, I'm not having sex once a week or I'm not having sex multiple times a week and I'm not having sex on like a whim during the day on the washer and dryer. Like it's (laughs) not realistic for women that don't have pain down there. So what would you say to people that are experiencing similar issues to what you are? What would you advise them to do? First, do some research. I mean, online can give you so many different answers, but try to learn as much as you can about different symptoms and different things that possibly could be going wrong. And then when you go to the doctor, try not to self-diagnose, but when you go to the doctor and see a gynecologist, and I would research a gynecologist that has experience with this because there are some that are know the subject matter more than others or see a physical therapist. And it might take time. It might take a couple of different doctors and a couple of different physical therapists before you figure out what's wrong. But I would just say to not be scared. A lot of women I feel might hide this from their husbands. I've known some to just grit their teeth and look the other way and bear it and not ever talk to their husband about it. And I think that's really bad because they're your partner and they need to be there alongside with you. And hopefully they would support you in this. I would seek some answers and don't be scared to open up about it. I feel like the more I've opened up, the more answers that I've gotten, the more people in similar situations that have said, hey, this worked for me or hey, this didn't. This is interesting because we talked about Botox earlier. I actually had done some research and read an article about doing Botox in the vagina. <laughs> oh, to numb it. Yeah. And so I've, I haven't looked too much more into it, but it's something that I'm definitely going to look into. So basically, yeah, you do Botox injections and it deadens the muscles and therefore you don't experience pain and the muscles don't contract on that pelvic floor. So I'm really interested in that. I feel like I want a little bit more research around it because I feel that my body's very sensitive. You know, the women that Botox their face and then like swells up and bruises. I feel like that might happen to me, but in the other area and that would be horrible. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> I want to experience that. But but yeah, that that's an option. Hopefully there's more research to be done and, and more women come out and we can learn more about it and do some more maybe testing and research to find what's causing this and how can we make it better. That's amazing. Is there any online communities that you found helpful that people can go to find support? There's a page, vaginismus.com, devoted to symptoms, stories, you know, causes, treatment, community. So that's a good place to go. Um, And I found a lot of like bloggers too. I mean, there's pelvic floor bloggers. That's all they talk about. Is there any ones you recommend? Um, There's one that is called Radiant Life Design. 
And she's one of the ones that talks more about the mental state. And it's getting to that point mentally where you can heal through your mind and, and relax the body and learn, well, maybe it's something in my head that's making this worse or causing more pain. So she gives a lot of help with that. Now I have two last questions for you, Jesse. Okay. Number one, what internal doubts or resistance have you had to face in your life? Obviously, we've gone through one really big one, but is there anything else that you've either overcome in the past or something that you're working through now? I would say having more confidence in general in myself, in the work I do. I really enjoyed that book, Lean In, just because as a mom, I struggle with the natural feeling of wanting to stay with your child, but then I also have this desire to work. And so that's just a battle that I struggle with on a daily basis of should I keep pursuing this dream of doing marketing and working or I don't have the option to stay at home. Let's just put it that way. So I have to work, um, but it's still hard. And I would say just being confident, though, in myself at work in general. And (laughs) a lot of times, and I think Tina Fey says it in that book, where you know, you feel like you get into a role or a position and then you feel like you don't belong or they're going to realize you're a fake. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, exactly. I feel that a lot. It's fake it till you make it. And I heard someone say, well, fake it till you actually do it. You know, fake it till you, you don't have to make it, but do do it, do something. I like that. Fake it till you do it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to take that approach in just my life in general. And because, you know, work takes up so much of my day, eight to five, it consumes a lot of me. So doing that, working and being confident in my work and working hard so that it's worth it because I'm not near my child all day and I don't get to stay home like some other blessed moms do. I have to work. And so if I can find purpose in my work, then it will make it worth it. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So last but not least, what will you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey? You're not alone. I remember feeling extremely overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. I'm never going to have a relationship. I'm never going to figure out what's wrong with me. And the thoughts can consume you. You're not alone. And if you want to reach out to me and email me or you want to talk about your problems, I've had people (laughs) tell me some very intimate things. And that's okay because I'm an open book and I'll share with you my intimate things, you know, a lot deeper than what I've spoken about today. And that's okay because I feel like, as women that struggle with these things, we need to build that community together so that we're strong and confident and can get through it. We'll include the email address you'd like to use in the show notes as well so people can find it there. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this story. It's truly an honor to be able to share you with those listening and your story. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to share it. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jesse, thank you so, so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. As you have heard, there are a lot of links and resources that Jesse mentioned. They are all in our show notes, which you can find over at JessLively.com slash Jesse Coulter, J-E-S-S-E-C-O-U-L-T-E-R. You can also send Jesse a message through a variety of ways. You can go through Instagram and Twitter at Jessie Coulter, or you can also email her directly if you'd like to speak with her about your own situation that you're going through as well. You can find her email address over at the show notes. Again, that's JessLively.com slash Jessie Coulter. If you know someone who may benefit from this episode, I deeply hope that you share it with them. May something wonderful happen to you today.